Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, welcome to another Zoom service, uh, Sojourner. Uh, especially during the snow time, it, you know, I guess nothing better to do, right? So we can um, at least enjoy uh, worship together here uh, this afternoon. Um, it's good to see everybody here. Like uh, Pastor James just said, what we've been doing in the past uh, couple of weeks is kind of go over some of the things that we've been doing in the church. And in light of that, we want to uh, reboot of things a little bit and kind of going over, um, you know, some of the ministries that we're doing and some of the things that we need um, in terms of leadership, in terms of servants. And so today we're looking at this uh, community called the Fellowship Committee. Now, <clears throat> you know, you, you could talk to Dan, you know, right? You could, you could talk to Hannah Han, you could talk to Albert and Youngjae, uh, who have led uh, the Fellowship Committee in the past. It, it's probably one of the more difficult committees to lead because, uh, there's so much involved and uh, so many things to prepare and sometimes, uh, you know, participation and involvement and um, investment from the congregation can can seem lacking. And it's a very difficult ministry to do, but yet it's so important. And I think all of us here would agree that fellowship is an important part uh, of our community and of the church. And so I want to explain a little bit about what uh, not only what we need and what we're looking at here when we talk about fellowship community, but just generally also to look at these verses here in Hebrews chapter 10 and um, look at what fellowship means to kind of remind ourselves, to remind our community, to remind our fellowship what, what we should be aiming for spiritually as we prepare and do and participate in the various events and activities that a fellowship community might prepare for us, right? All right, so there's three points here just really quickly. Number one, we have fellowship with God. Number two, uh, we have fellowship with one another. And number three, how do we do it? Okay, so just quickly, three simple points. Fellowship with God, fellowship with one another, and how do we do it? And then what we're going to do after the sermon is we're going to actually do a communion on Zoom. And uh, just to give you a heads up, um, when we get to the communion part, I will ask you to turn your cameras on so that um, I can see uh, you doing the communion, and so if you can, please do do that. Do that. So, and if you're half dressed, or you know, if you're sitting there in your wife beater, just um, you know, give me a little time to to get ready for that. But, anyways, let's look at this uh, passage here and see what it tells us. See what the author of Hebrew tells us uh, with regards to fellowship. So, fellowship with God. So, in verse 24, <clears throat> the author of Hebrews is going to tell us to do something. He tells us to do something here in chapter 10, okay? But before he does, I want you to notice that in verse 19, this section opens up with the word, therefore. Therefore. And that means that that word, therefore, needs to point you back to all the teaching of the previous section, but especially in these verses, verses 19 to verse 21. And in verse 19 to verse 21, he says this, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, which he opened us for us through the curtain, okay? And in verse 21, we have a great high priest over the house of God. Notice that in these two verses, there's also the word since. He says, therefore, since. Since we have confidence, therefore, since we have a great high priest, I want you to do this, all right? Since we have confidence, basically he's saying this, since we have God's presence, and since we have God's priest, all this in the person of Jesus Christ, here's what I want you to do. That's what he says. So the author of Hebrews is just saying this. I want you to drop back, and I want you to think for a moment about why 
I'm about to tell you why you ought to do this. We have God's presence, right, into the holy places. That's basically what it means. We have the presence of God. We have access to God, and we have his priesthood, meaning we have someone who cares, someone who shepherds us, someone who prays for us. You've got access, and you've got care to his attention, right? All this because of Jesus. And basically what he's saying is this. We have fellowship with God because of what Jesus done, because of his presence, because of his priesthood, right? We have fellowship with the holy God, the creator of the universe. Just think about that. He's saying, think about this. We have fellowship with this holy God. That's what happened when Jesus gave his life for us, right? When we committed to him, we were brought into fellowship with him. That's why when you read 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, that's the reason why John says we proclaim the gospel so that you and I might have fellowship because we then can have fellowship with God. And so what you're told here in a nutshell is this, that the goal of the gospel, right, the goal of the Christian life is not just to save you, all right, an individual from condemnation or from hell, but the goal of the gospel is to put a person into this fellowship, this fellowship with God. That's what he's saying. The author of Hebrews now then wants us to do something, and now he's making his argument for why we ought to do it, and he's saying this, think about then Jesus. Think about that presence that you have with him, uh, the, the access that you have with him. Think about uh, who Jesus now is for you. Think about what he did on the cross to get you there, what he accomplished in order to bring us closer to God, to bring us into this fellowship with this God. Now, because of that, this is what I want you to do, all right? And that's in verse 24. He says this, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, okay? Here's the focus, or at least one of the focuses of our life of faith. I want you to notice this carefully, all right? This is what the verse says. It does not say what you might expect. It does not say Consider how to love each other and do good works or do good things. I mean, that would be biblical. That would be right. But here, the author of Hebrews is saying something different. Because you have Jesus Christ, because you have fellowship with God, right, here's what I want you to do. And this is what he says. He says, consider how to stir up, how to stimulate, how to encourage another to love and good deeds. Do you see the difference here? It's not, I want you to consider how to love each other and how to do good things, but consider how to stimulate someone else to love and good deeds. Focusing on helping others become loving people, to provoke them, to stimulate, to entice, to encourage another to love each other and do good deeds. This is the activity of fellowship with one another. Because we have fellowship with God, right, because of what Christ has done, he says, now you have fellowship with one another, and this is what that fellowship should do, that we consider how we can stir up and encourage another person to love and good deeds. And it's amazing to me, as I think about this, how even in good things, like loving and doing good, that we can still be self-centered. But this is what Hebrews is saying. The goal of our lives is not just loving and doing good things. But the goal of our fellowship is also to help others, to stir up others to, to love and to do good things. Let's be more precise here. In verse 24, you look at the word. It says there, consider. 
let us consider how to stir up, okay? That word consider is used only one other time in this book, in the book of Hebrews, namely Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. And the writer says there, consider Jesus. And what that means there in chapter 3, verse 1 is this. When he says consider, it means this. It means look at him. It means think about him. It means focus on him. It means study him. It means let your mind be occupied with him. Consider Jesus is the direct, the word Jesus is the direct object of the verb consider. Now you look at verse 24 in our passage in chapter 10, and the grammar is the same. The direct object of the word consider, right, the only other place in the book of Hebrews where that word is used, consider is not Jesus, but now it's what? One another. Consider, literally it says, consider one another, which means now to look at each other, think about one another, focus on each other, encourage one another to love each other and do great things. And so you see the connection here. Verse 19 and 21, we have fellowship with God because of what God has done. And now he's talking about how we fellowship with others. In chapter 3, verse 1, consider Jesus. And now in, in chapter 24, consider others. Fellowship with God, consider Jesus. Fellowship with others, each other, consider one another. Verse 24, that's what he says. That's the connection. And so what you see here then is this, that this fellowship is not just about some small group of people that we call a fellowship committee, just trying to encourage the rest of the church to love and good deeds. It says one another. It implies that there is something uh, mutual going on. One is encouraging another, and another is encouraging one. And that each is doing or saying something that encourages others to love and good things. The word fellowship here uh, literally means joint ownership, partnership. In the New Testament, this could literally mean uh, mutual sharing. Broadly speaking, fellowship means just a mutual sharing, that there is something that we share in common. You remember J.R. Tolkien's book, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, right? Why is it called Fellowship of the Ring? Because there were a group of people who shared in the same burden of carrying that ring to its destination. And so broadly speaking, when you ask what a fellowship is, you can call any group that, that shares the same hobbies, <clears throat> that carries the same goals, that, that enjoy the same sports or have same political agendas, um, similar personalities or even people types. You can call all of those groups of people a fellowship, loosely speaking. We can fellowship when we share the same food or participate in the same sports or read the same books or watch even the same movies or TV shows. And even in the church, those things can be done practically to grow or strengthen bonds and relationships. But here's the point when you look at Hebrews. It can't be just that. It can't be just that. It's got to be more. It's got to be more because here's why. You might feel like you have real fellowship if you could find someone to share the same interest in your music, your movies, your TV shows, whatever. You might feel like you have fellowship if if you find someone to share the same interest in your sports, in your leisures, in your hobbies, in your vocations, Uh, if you eat the same kinds of food. You might feel like you have fellowship if you can find someone in the same phase of life as you or the same or similar personality type as you. 
But here what we see is that there's something different about the fellowship that the Bible talks about as compared to other sorts of fellowship. The fellowship that Hebrews is talking about here, that's given to us because we have fellowship with God, and now because we have fellowship with with one another, is a God-motivated fellowship. It's a God-motivated fellowship. And that means this, that ultimately Christian fellowship is not people-motivated. It's not hobby-motivated. It's not personality-type-motivated. It's not your phase of life motivated, whether you're single or you're married or or you're married with children. All those things are great. They're important and they're great. And they can be a good start to bringing people together. But none of those things in and of themselves can constitute the basis of what the Bible calls a Christian fellowship. Hebrews here is saying that Christian fellowship is God motivated. It's Jesus empowered. It's Holy Spirit worked kind of fellowship. That genuine Christian fellowship is a fellowship that results from a genuine fellowship with God. There's that connection. And if you think about it this way, then you've got to ask the question then, does the love of Christ, does our fellowship with God affect any way how we pursue our fellowship with people? And it should. Of course it should in every way. Look, We're a small church, right? And dare I say, we're an an odd mix of people and personality types, even in our small community. And some of you said this, and I've said this before, that some of us, maybe many of us, would never even have met, much less hang out with one another if it wasn't for the fact that we share the same church, right? Just being honest, isn't that true? But as Christians, when we say that, as Christians, what we're really saying is this, that we are together as church in this fellowship because not only do we share the same church, but we share the same Jesus. That's what we're really saying. And that that makes a difference because it means this. It means that I can fellowship with you, not because you're married, not because you're single or not because you have kids. I can fellowship with you, not because we like the same sports or the same foods or the same books. I can fellowship with you because we have fellowship with God. And we fellowship with God, why? Because he's shared himself with me and you. He's shared his life with me and you. He's shared his inheritance, his glory. God has shared his heart with me and with you. I can fellowship with you now because God has shared his son with us. And together then, we share God with others who need it. And that ought to make a huge difference. That ought to make a huge difference in in our fellowship, in our community, because it means that because of Jesus Christ, It literally practically means this, that because of Christ, if he's the center and the reason for our fellowship, then we have no right not to love those who are different from us. If this is the basis of our fellowship, then we have no right not to be patient and forbearing with those whose personalities and opinions are different from us, the opposite of us, because we share the same Jesus. 
If this is the basis of our fellowship, then we have no right to be selective in who we fellowship with, in who we hang out with, or in who we love. And we have no longer, we no longer possess any right not to forgive our brothers and sisters in this fellowship because we have fellowship with Jesus Christ. One author put it this way, quote, Christian fellowship is not the sentimental and superficial attachment of a random collection of individuals, but the profoundly mutual relationship of those who share in Christ and therefore belong to each other and share each other, end quote. That's what he says Christian fellowship is. And that means this, that when we say fellowship or when we talk about fellowship, it's got to be more than just coffee and donuts, okay? It's because we have fellowship with God. And because we have fellowship with God, with God as we consider what Jesus has done, Hebrews saying now, fellowship with one another. How? By considering others, okay? Now, how do we do this? Okay, this is the last point. How do we do this? How does the author of Hebrews say we ought to fellowship with one another? And we look at this in verse 25, and this is what he says. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. There are two things here, okay? First, in verse 24, we already said this. He says, we consider how to stir up another, how to stir up one another to love and good works. But then he gives us two things here in verse 25. One is negative and one is positive. So first, the negative. How do we fellowship with one another? He says this, negative. Don't neglect to get together. That's what he says. And the second is the positive. When you get together, encourage one another. Be an encouragement. That's what he says. Don't neglect to meet together and be an encouragement when you do meet together. Okay? Now, let's look at that just really quickly. When he says negatively, uh, how do we fellowship? Well, one thing is don't neglect to meet together. Let me try to illustrate this, I guess, what he's trying to say. You know, when we, as a church, uh, we're doing those softball tournaments in the very beginning. And I remember one of the practices, you know, some people uh, say, hey, why don't you come out and, and, and join the practice, right? And just play. And the thing is, you know, I don't really play softball. I don't even like softball. Uh, and some of those guys just really did. And one of the things that they wanted me to do is play second base. Play second base. And it's like, yeah, I don't know if I'm the right guy to play second base. And here's, here's what one of the brothers said. He says, it doesn't matter whether you know or not. Just your presence there is better than no one. Just your presence there is better than no one, right? It's just a source of encouragement. Just being there, just your presence, just being there is a source of encouragement. When the author of Hebrews says, look, you want to fellowship with people, here's one thing you shouldn't do. Don't neglect to meet each other. That word neglect here literally means this, lack of effort. Don't have a lack of effort in meeting together. Now, here's the thing about this. I know and you know that we are in this pandemic. So you're saying, how do we meet together, right? How can we do this? We can't even do this even if we wanted to. It's not the same anymore. And so we're doing Zoom, right? But here's the concern. On the one hand, here's the concern that I have. If you're someone like me or maybe like some of us here, we're so used to this Zoom, right? We're so used to uh, being online that has become so easy, that it becomes so easy just to worship on Zoom. Even as I talk to you right now, I'm only half dressed. 
right? You know, I'm wearing something on the bottom, but it's not going to match my top. You know, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about driving through the snow and getting to the church building. I don't have to worry about, you know, uh, what I have to do after this because I can just get back to my own business, right? In some ways, it's easier. Did you know the statistics right now are saying that when the church does meet in person, that attendance is going to drop at least by 25% because people have been so used to doing Zoom, right? It's easy to do that. It's easy to neglect right, to do this uh, over Zoom rather than in person. And, and the author of Hebrews saying this, don't neglect the meeting. Don't neglect it, assembling together, right, gathering together. But on the other hand, you might think, well, I can't wait to get back together. And once we do, I'm, I'm really going to go for it. I'm really going to do it. Because you might think this virtual thing, it, it kind of sucks, right? You, you don't like it anymore. You, you're zoomed out and, and you want to see people in person and do things in person because in person is better. And, and I agree with you, totally agree with you. And we'll get there eventually, okay? But in the meantime, don't give up meeting in whatever way you can, whether it's virtually or otherwise. Because it's easy, again, to think on the other side, well, you know what, if I can't do this in person, I'd rather not do it at all. And then you just kind of eventually pull out. It, it, that It's not what he's saying. He says, don't neglect meeting or assembling together, virtually or otherwise, in any way. So don't neglect. Don't lack effort. Now, I think in the immediate context of our passage here, he's referring probably to that meeting of worship, okay? But we can expand that more broadly. It's not just about church services, but just places where people can meet to encourage one another, verse 25, okay? It's the kind of meeting in view here that seems to have, uh, seems to be where it allows for some kind of mutual encouragement, some kind of stirring up of one another. It's not talking merely about sneaking into a big church service and then sneaking out. It's talking more than just a mere hello to somebody else. It's talking about a kind of meeting where you say or you do something nice for someone that will help them to be more loving, right? And it's a place where someone can say something or do something to you that will help you to be more loving and do good things, to strengthen you to do more good. It could be the church. It could be in a Bible study. It could be in a fellowship group. It could be at the Super Bowl party, right? It could be in a prayer group. It could be an event, an activity. It could be, you know, over a couple of beers at a bar. It could be anywhere. But wherever it is, seek to be an encouragement. Seek to be an encouragement. So don't give up meeting together, he says, virtually or otherwise. And when you do meet, seek to be an encouragement. That's what he says there. Practically, in terms of how we understand our fellowship. Let me give you just a couple of illustrations uh, from uh, why I think this is important. You know, um, Years ago, I, I went to Africa. I went to uh, you know Kenya to do some you know two week mission trip thing there, and uh, you know work with the Maasai tribe a little bit. And um, you know they had a Sunday service, and they wanted me to preach, and there was going to have a translator and and do all these things. And Sunday service there was it was supposed to be around twelve p.m. right. And so I get there early, eleven thirty a.m., just to make sure I get there early. And I'm waiting for you know the the tribes people and the local people to to get there for church. It's twelve p.m. Nobody's there, right? And so I'm wondering, okay, you know, it's a little late. It's like Korean time, 
no problem. It's 12.30, nobody's there. It's one o'clock and a few people trickle in. I'm looking at the, the lead pastor there. I'm thinking, should, should we just start? And he's like, no, let's wait. It's two o'clock, right? Two hours after the start time. And finally, a bunch of them come in. And I'm thinking to myself, and I'm so upset because this would never fly here in the United States. Two hours late, who does that? You've missed the service. I'm not coming here to waste my time waiting two hours for people to get there. And, and I'm just fuming. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I had this message prepared for these people, but now I'm just going to let it out, you know, because they got no respect. I'm just going to let it out, you know, and just say, you know what? You're two hours late to God's service. What do you think you're doing? Right. And and I'm thinking this and, I, and I'm looking at him, uh, the lead pastor and he's looking at me. And he knows I'm a little bit frustrated. And, and this is what he says to me. He's a fan says, look, I know you're a little bit frustrated, but this happens every Sunday. And I just want you to know the people coming there, they have to walk. Uh, and they walk for about five hours. They walk for about five hours barefoot in the hot, right, in the sand, just to come for a one-hour service because they come from out everywhere. And so we have to wait. We have to wait. And I thought to myself, I felt a little bit embarrassed. I don't know anyone who would walk five hours to go to church service. But they did it every Sunday, every week, to fellowship in that small group just for an hour. It was important to them. It was important to them. And they were committed. They were committed. You know, I read somewhere about a certain underground group of Christians in the former Soviet Union. They got together once a week to read the Bible together in a secret place. And many of them, they also had to walk miles at night. But they came together every week, come rain or shine. They came together risking persecution, risking imprisonment. They, they risked their lives just to get together. They came together week after week just to read the Bible together. Can you imagine that? How would you feel if the fellowship committee prepared an activity and they said, hey, on this day, at this time, we're going to read Genesis to Revelation. That's all we're going to do. How would, how would you feel? Would that sound like fellowship to you? But that's what they did every week. But here's the thing. The only scripture that they had was just one page of the Bible ripped out that they were able to save. That's all they had. John chapter 3 was all they had. And yet they joined week after week to hear John chapter 3, those same words again and again and again. And they never tired of listening to the word of God, although they heard the same thing over and over again. They gathered together in the blackness of night, under the light of shimmering candles, in, in the darkness of a communist regime. They huddled together over and over again just to hear, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16. They didn't have Zoom. They didn't have a fellowship committee. But it was important to them. And they were committed. Every week in our Zoom service, we confess the Apostles' Creed. And I don't know if you actually think about what you're saying, but, you know, towards the end of that creed, it says, I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, and what? The communion of saints. The fellowship of saints. And I've got to ask our church, 
are you committed to the fellowship? Are you committed to the communion of the saints? Do you look forward to being with God's people? Do you treasure and cherish the times that we're able to spend together in any way? Do you give your undivided attention to your fellow saints? Is it important to you? Or when you hear Christian fellowship or word fellowship, is it just donuts and coffee? Something that you do only when you think you need it. Something you do only when you think it's convenient for you. Something you do only when it revolves around doing something that you just happen to be interested in. Now, our fellowship committee has been and primarily is an event-driven committee, right? And when we think about fellowship committee and what they do, it tends to be things like food, drink, a retreat, some activity, some event, some interaction, seeing each other, talking, hanging out, right? Wonderful things, good things. And many of us, we're naturally good at those things, just coming out, hanging out, you know, talking and doing things. But we also need moments where we can connect our vertical relationship with God with our horizontal relationship with others. We also need moments where we can connect our faith connect our faith with those around us to flesh out what we think, what we believe, and what we don't, what, how we live it out. We need opportunities where we can engage not just my personality, but my faith, or the lack thereof, for that matter, with one another to receive spiritual encouragement, but also to be spiritual encouragement. And this is the thing that, to be honest, many of us aren't naturally good at that. You know, once in a while you meet someone who is so in tune with their faith and God that they naturally gravitate towards that kind of fellowship, right? And they contribute those things wherever they go. But for many of us, we need to work at it. It needs to be more intentional. That we might be just good at hanging out and doing things, but maybe we're not good at sharing and, and encouraging with the other stuff. And that's why we need a Christian fellowship committee. To organize around that, to create opportunities where those things can happen as well. And so a fellowship committee, its responsibility is not just planning activities so that we can have fun together, right? Which is also important, and, and they do. But ultimately, at its core, a fellowship committee encourages fellowship with one another as we connect our fellowship with God. And that's important. And I think that's where we need to go as well with our committee and even with our fellowship. And so I want to encourage you today, as you think about your fellowship with the church, as Hebrew says, consider Jesus, right? Consider your fellowship with God and why you have to do this. And then secondly, consider one another, not what you're getting out of this fellowship, but what you might be able to give to encourage someone to love and good deeds, to not neglect to not lack effort in meeting in any way you can, right? And to be a source of encouragement for somebody else. Pray about that. And if it moves you to serve in this committee, to lead this committee or whatever the case might be, do that with a heart of faith. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much for your word.